like that toy took a guy's art, which was awesome, and tried to turn it into a toy instead of trying to make a 3D version of his art. And I think that toy was, I, I, to me, that toy is a giant failure. I think it looks terrible. It's, I think it's when the scene started becoming a, a, a place where anyone and everyone could have a toy made. And every single sketch that they drew had to become a toy. That's where the oversaturation started to come in. And that probably turned off a lot of the early artists that made the scene what it is or was. There's, you're not going to get closer to their art than them right. doing the paint master. Like that's, that's, cool. that's how it works. Like that's like, that's why the, that Brandy piece to me looks like her art because it is, she painted it. Hey, toy family. Welcome to another edition of the Marsham toy hour where we discuss anything and everything designer toys. I'm Gary Ham, and joining me tonight is waffle making extraordinaire, Teresa Hawkins. Hello. <laughs> and Marshami Award winner and future Shriner, George Gaspar. Hello, hello. Got a mug of hot chocolate. I'm ready to talk toys. Nice. I know. I know. What? <laughs> George, I think we're going to let Teresa sleep on the, you know, the Marsham sofa. Because I'm tired? Yeah. Oh, like on the couch and sleep? Can I go to sleep on the couch? No, you can't go to sleep. George, we got to step in here. She has a problem. Are you doped up? <laughs> No, I'm not doped up. <laughs> Do I sound doped up? A little bit. I mean, I'm still tired, but I'm trying to act like I'm not. I think what it is, George, is like she works long hours at work, and then I think she stays up like way past midnight, sometimes 1 or 2 a.m. like throughout the entire week. So then by the time we record on Thursday nights, she's usually wanting to take a nap. What's, a, a, what's a long work week to you? How many hours? <sighs> I, I'm at a point now, George, where like, I don't even know, like, it's just like never ending. Like it's, I don't have a very good, I don't have very good at out, like cutting things off. Yeah. I hear that. I used to be, you know me. what I mean? So like, I don't even know anymore. Like, I just don't even think about it. So, but like today, I don't know why, I don't really know why I got hit with sleepiness because I didn't keep working. I cut it off and then I did stuff with Bailey and I was, maybe it's because of that. Maybe it's because I haven't been like keeping myself awake doing stuff and I sat on the couch for a bit. I think it's the idea know. of doing the podcast makes you tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gary, why do you make this I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, let's, let's, let's just go ahead. Well, maybe Teresa will wake up as we uh, move on with the show. So last week we had the Marshami Awards and it's much to my chagrin, actually, I think People sort of actually sort of liked it. We got some good feedback for it. That's that's awesome because you hated the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was like on the edge of a cliff towards the end there, but we finished strong. And I think the beginning was good. So the beginning and end were great, but it was kind of like that middle part where we were doing the categories and we were kind of rambling and figuring things out and showing photos and stuff. So that was mainly where I trimmed. So we talked over two hours and I turned about 30 minutes just in that area alone. And that's after I did that, it sounded good. Oh, nice. Maybe I'll have to go listen to it and see if it came out good. Yeah. I think people actually did find it entertaining and funny, which at the time it didn't feel like it to me, but you know what? We also didn't receive, we didn't receive any dear Marsham letters. No one wants to take advantage of our unlicensed, (laughs) unprofessional advice. Makes makes me look bad. I'm the only one with (laughs) 
<laughs> you, you might want to look into some getting some real help though. Um, here I I got one. I got an issue. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, you have to you have to start, dear Marsham. Before dear Marsham, I find when I th- scroll through the blogs, everything is just so like the same as it's been for the past like two years. Do you guys feel like that? What do you mean by that exactly? It's either like the same toy, you know, getting re-released in a new way, or it's just like a recycled idea or another Mickey Mouse thing, or like, I don't know, I just feel like there's the same, like, everyone's pulling off the same pool of ideas, and it's just, everything seems so, like, boring. I can see that. Teresa and I were talking earlier today just about the number of colorways. I mean, early on, George. Wait a minute. You guys talk when we're not recording? Um, occasional, like, no, um, no one ever I, calls yeah. me. Dear Marsham. Dear Marsham. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> Nobody ever calls George. No, we don't, we don't talk yeah. by phone, but we, we, uh, we, I am chat yes, throughout the day. We did. We had a, we had a hangout. Don't you, don't you dare well, lie dear, to George like dear that. Dear Marsham. The people <laughs> on my podcast with me don't even like me. <laughs> oh, but George, we love you. But you know what? It's not just us, actually. I saw this week. You're not even in. The behind-the-counter trailer or the poster. Yeah, I know. I noticed that too. What's going on there? Even even my mom texted and was like, "What's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> I think that was like the most asked question on the behind-the-counter like Instagram feed. Was like, "Where's George? No more George. Why no George?" I texted in and said, "Where's George too?" <laughs> Did you? Are you? Are you not going to do it anymore? Uh, I I've been voted out apparently. I'm not in any of the pros in the, any of the uh, propaganda wait, 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 posters. Wait, wait, wait. Were you so actually you voted out, or, or were you just not contacted? You just somehow were replaced. Uh, no, it was uh, apparently it was a miscommunication in scheduling. Um, I I will be on the show occasionally this season. Not not entirely sure how much that means. Their number one person on the show is not on the next season. What's up with that? Let's all be fair. Ben is the number one person on the show. It is 3D Retro Presents Toy Geek. It is. I mean, he is the head honcho behind the, the production. You know, it's, it's done in his store and everything. But I think you're the guy that a lot of people are tuning in to hear, though. That's not true. Not anymore. Maybe maybe in the past I used to have an opinion on things. But as you guys have seen in these past few episodes, <laughs> I don't know a lot anymore. But your But your opinions carry a lot of weight. Because you've been in the scene for so long, you're very knowledgeable. You've seen a lot, and so it's like you're you kind. Of, and also, you don't really talk that all that much. You're almost kind of a, like a sniper on the show. You when you speak, it's not that often, but when you do, it carries more weight because you don't speak that often. I am old man Gaspar in the corner. <laughs> well, I hope I'm hoping to see you back on the show. I'll be I'll be on occasionally. It's uh. There, there will be, there will be times where I'm on. Well, it looks like there's going to be several new rotating geeks on the show. You got yeah, s- I think what they're going to do is like a uh, a rotating spot, like where 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 I would sit normally. Yeah. Um, will be a, a rotating spot of of people now. Okay, makes sense. Maybe different segments from different people too. Uh, probably, yeah, I would imagine. And then like, th- and they'll, they'll, I'm sure they'll also be the normal guests that come on throughout the, you know, you know, throughout the season where you know each episode has the three hosts plus a guest usually you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. so i think that's what's going to happen and then so the three hosts it'll be 
Ben and Jack as a constant, and then the other one will rotate. Right. Well, let's get back to your original, your original Dear Marshay. I'm saying, why is everything on the blogs been looking pretty similar for the last couple of years? And Teresa and I were talking this week, and we were discussing like how everything is just a new colorway being released every several weeks. And, you know, George, several years ago, when a lot, almost everything was being produced out of China, you would just go to the factory, say you want four different colorways, and you would spread those four different colorways over the course of a year or two. But now that a lot of the stuff is being produced in lim- more limited quantities, whether resin production or Sofubi or soft vinyl or what have you, the, the colorways are coming a hell of a lot quicker. So you're seeing the same toy every single month, but just with a different spray or pulled vinyl color. And then and on top of that, which you mentioned too, is everything's starting to look the same. There's a lot of stuff that's similar, but different. Is that what you're talking about? What do you about? mean same, but different? Well, I feel like, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Like, I feel like if everyone's like, I don't know what it is about Japanese vinyl. Everyone is on it because it's like you said, you can do little runs and stuff. But I also feel like everyone thinks like, just because you're doing Japanese vinyl, you have to do this like, mushy like weird sculpture like it's like they're not making or i don't know if maybe only all the people that are going there are are attempting to do these weird cre- like i don't know you see like paul kaiju do these cool creatures uh-huh. that he's like developing and then everyone's like oh i gotta do a creature i gotta do this weird monster with a with an a baby eyeball and and <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. teeth teeth down the armpit and it's like well I don't know. You don't have to like, you can still do like cool characters and stuff. You could do anything like, but everyone's just doing this weird, like overly crunchy, crazy monsters that they can pour in weird colors. Like, I don't know. It just seems it's boring after a, a point to do the same thing. Yeah, like, at least Paul Kaiju has like awesome sculpting and like, I, I don't know. There seems to be like care and time thought about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Some of these are just like, they look like it's somebody's first sculpture they've ever done. And they're like, all right, make it. Right. You know, it's like, try again. Like, it doesn't have to be the first thing you make. I, I get I get what you're saying. Because, I mean, I do think things start to look similar after a while. I think when... There's definitely trends and themes, right? Like, one of the things we were talking about is, like, foxes seem to be popular right now. Or sometimes, like, like you said, like, gross monsters will become popular. Or skulls will come back. I mean, there's definitely, I think, themes and springboards that people kind of run with and if it becomes popular it becomes sticky and a lot of people start using it i think it's hard when there's you know as more and more toys come out it's going to be harder and harder to make something unique but that's just kind of what art is all about right to keep keep creating new and unique things that people are into so i don't know it's it's tricky but i think that the trickiest thing for me is the colorway aspect and how it's kind of affecting my personal way of shopping and i know it affects you too gary where we're getting to a point now where i think we instead of just immediately like if we like something and instead of jumping on it instead we debate and we're like well is there going to be there's got to be another one of these coming more than likely that's typically not a one and done so like how much do i like this colorway do i like it enough to go on it or should i think on it and wait to see if a better colorway comes along and you start questioning, I think, more what you're going to buy versus just jumping on it. Yeah, no, I, I'm totally the same way. I don't, geez, I'm, I'm trying to cut down on my collection, so I don't need a whole bunch of colorways of, of the same thing. There's an occasional toy where I do like it enough that I want several colorways, but most of the time, uh, I'm pretty cautious and hesitant because I always feel like there's something else is going to pop up. You know, it's like, 
<laughs> one case is the uh, the Popsicle Mon that we mentioned last week in one of our Shami. Well, I bought that two weeks before DesignerCon in a colorway that I thought was probably the best one, and I bought it in the orange. And then I show up to DesignerCon, and then I see it at the Cory Cory booth, and their exclusive colorway, which is the one that you bought, George, is that red, white, and blue rocket Popsicle colorway. And I love that colorway, but I couldn't... I just bought the orange one at $65. I couldn't drop another 65 on that one. So that's the quandary I have. It's happened to me enough now that, yeah, I, I am definitely being cautious as to when I make my purchases. Waffle right. out the first one and buy the second one. <laughs> you could. I, I have to do that. You know, what I also think is kind of tricky is just the pricing of today versus when I first started getting into it. When I first started getting into it, I think I was mainly buying the – the toys that range anywhere from like twenty to forty dollars, and it seems like the average mean price of toys has definitely escalated, especially when you get into the the Sofubi and the more limited edition stuff. I mean, the average there is probably about maybe sixty to seventy dollars. It seems like, and I I just would never pay that price for multiple colorways and stuff. But you know, like one thing, I was going through my closet this weekend, and I came across a box of Bossy Bear toys that I had, and all four toys are exactly the same except for the position of the pupil. And, you know, <laughs> same color and everything. Exactly the same box, colorway, everything. The only thing that difference is the pupils are, you know, in different places. One's looking up, one's looking down. I think the reason I bought all four of them because it was a, they were it was a cheap toy. It's only twelve dollars each. So I paid less than sixty dollars for all four. And I think I was going to display them on a shelf, either like Brady Bunch style or just have them kind of looking at other toys in my collection. Yeah. But I never did anything with it. They, I just found them in a box. They, they've probably been sitting in that box for over eight or maybe 10 years. Well, that was a waste of money, you know? <laughs> right. Well, it, it, it's, it's so hard it, for me that likes so many things. It's so hard for me to try to pinpoint a direction with my collecting. Like, do I just buy one of each? Do I just buy a lot of the same thing? Do I only focus on a color or an aesthetic or a size? It's just, I, I can't come up with like a way to hone it in. And so I think that's why it's gone all over the place. Yeah, I've definitely had shelves that were, you know, themed to certain things and have gotten rid of that over time. And like I had a green shelf at one point and that green shelf's gone. But now I have a medic shelf and I'm sure at one point my medic shelf will go. You know, I'm, I'm sure it'll it'll move away. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out if there's like a lesson in that for myself of like, I feel like it's just maybe a product of the scene. But I feel like everyone at some point reaches a point where they look around and go, oh, my God, I have too much. Like <laughs> that, that's me for sure. You just subscribe to me. Like I think, and I don't know, George, I mean, do you feel like you hit that? Is that why you feel like you're not, you know, super into collecting? Like you hit a point where you're just like, I, I, I have too much. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I definitely still like to buy all the stuff that I like. I just, I haven't been seeing as much stuff that I like as much okay. that like, like the things I want to spend my money on, it's not nothing is really like jumping at me that so gotcha. i guess i see i see less things that i want to spend as much on and I, I think the prices like gary was saying a bit ago have definitely creeped up so to to buy in because there's a lot of this stuff since it is so limited like there's all this japanese vinyl or resin stuff because it's so limited the prices are a bit higher than they would be if it was production stuff and yep it's just for me to pull the trigger on something, I really have to like it. I have to, you know, and I have to know where it's going to sit on a shelf and like my shelves are full. So it's like, it better be something I really, really want. 
Um, so I don't know. I think it's, it's just a little harder to buy in these days at certain things. And then, you know, than it was in the past when it's like, Oh my, you know, I got plenty of room and do you think things are cheap and I don't know. Do you think that we've gotten a little jaded, George, having seen so much of this for so long? What you mentioned, a lot of stuff sort of looks the same. It's hard to impress us at this point. It's really hard to be wowed and excited about certain stuff because so much of it is sort of a same vibe that we've been seeing. I mean, maybe because like the first time you see an artist like use use mickey mouse and make this crazy thing you're like wow that's wow. awesome yeah. like that's diff like that's so cool i've never seen that before and then the 16th time you see someone take mickey mouse and uses gloves and uses shorts and uses exactly. buttons and it's like guys we've seen it all right we get it mickey mouse all right well you like the same things we like like come up with something else like i think it's just it just becomes repetition at that point like and how many like how excited can you get for that, you know? Yeah. You know, honestly, I think that's what it is for me. I think I've just become jaded, you know, with certain things. I just – it's really hard to impress me or me to get excited about certain things. Like I can only see so many dissected versions to where I just almost become desensitized to it. Like the other day, my coworker, he was going through Instagram and he came across um, and he showed me like, Gary, this is amazing. Look at this. And my coworker knows nothing about designer toys and Jason Frenny. So – he showed me the um, Mighty Jacks dissected um, Easter bunny. It was a chocolate bunny with the, you know, half dissected. And he thought it was amazing. And that's because he's never seen it before. He had never, he was not familiar with any Jason Freeney dissected stuff. But to me, it's like, I've seen it. Like, impress me more. No, I get it. I mean, that makes complete sense. You know, and, and that's and, why. Oh, go ahead, George. I was going to say, don't get me wrong. There's still pieces like, uh, 3D Retro is releasing a uh, Nathan Oda Tree Boy. Yeah. And that thing is incredible. Like, that piece makes me excited to buy a designer vinyl because, like, that piece is awesome. Um, but I think that's what we're talking about, the true nature of an art toy. I mean, that's based on his paintings, and it really – his paintings is really conveyed in that toy. And I think that's what a large part of what designer toys was especially supposed to be was a – an offspring of an artist's body of work. And I think that toy really represents his painting style and his work. And so to be able to, you might not be able to afford his paintings, but you can afford that toy. Yeah. And I mean, if, and if you're a fan of his art, that piece is definitely going to be like, Oh yeah, this is his art. Like I, I look at that and I know exactly that that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually really interesting to think about that. The idea that, it's it, it kind of started as a thing where it takes existing art and creates a 3D form of it. And I wonder if that's been lost some. Because, like, a lot of toys today, and not to say that I'm knocking anything I own. I obviously love what I buy, but it, I don't know. And I don't think a lot, not, not necessarily as much of it springs from that direction. Yeah, it's more uh, of things where people are trying to, it's artists trying to become toy designers instead of, people making toys of someone else's art. And that's that's one of the things that Ben at 3D Retro has always kind of done really well and because that's the thing that he enjoys is he likes to make toys of the artist's art. Mm-hmm. He's not telling right. he's not asking an artist to design a toy. He's working with an artist who has art that he likes and he's turning that art into toys. Even that like that KRK piece that he did recently that finally came out is the uh, the punk kid skateboarder kid. 
Yep. You like that piece is KRK. Like you look at that with that box art, like the box really to me, the box really enhances that piece. Even um, you just look at that and you're like, oh, I like that's KRK's art. And like that Nathan Oda, you look at that, you're like, that is Nathan Oda's art. And even back to, and I know I'm biased because I sculpted these, but the the two Brandy uh, pieces, two Brandy Milne pieces, yep. like those are like, that's his, like that's Brandy's art. And one and part of the process with that one, and even with this new Nathan one, because I was involved in the production on it, but I didn't do any of the sculpting or anything on the Nathan one, um, he, like Nathan Oda painted the paint master. Like we, we made the casting and he took it home and he painted the paint master. So like, and the same, and Brandy did the same thing. Brandy painted those paint masters and that was sent to the factory for them to reproduce. And it's like, there's, you're not going to get closer to their art than them doing the paint master. Like that's, that's that's how it works. Like that's like, that's why that Brandy piece to me looks like her art because it is, she painted it. Yeah. And the factory reproduced her paint job amazingly. And the same thing with this Nathan Oda tree boy. It's like if they if we had just done call outs and told the factory to paint it, like it wouldn't have the the soul that his paint master has. Makes sense. Yeah, it makes me like it makes me like the piece more and more as you yeah. like dig into that kind of stuff and like it it gives the piece life. Like it, you're you're giving it life just talking about it, George, and like explaining that there's more to it than just you know, whipping a 3D shape out of nothing or trying to take some artist and force them into toy form. But no, they've like basically taken his paintings and created a designer toy version of it. And and, yeah, I mean, and, 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 and it totally it totally worked on that piece. And it's not something right. when you look at it initially, it's like it's something that really most people probably wouldn't even try attempt that piece. It's pretty complex. It's got a lot of weird little parts on it. And it's like it's you know it's it's probably too costly for most people to even try and do that but you know ben likes to work with the artists and and likes to make their you know try and try and get their art into a 3d form and i think he really like that that one to me really nailed it that nathan oda piece yeah Yeah. not only that but it's two pieces so like the stand the tree stump and then the i don't even know what's the yeah the boy sitting on top is removable so you can kind of sit them on the edge of your shelf and stuff like i didn't even realize that was part of it that's really cool honestly i don't know why he's he's putting the pictures out like that like i don't know like it's not really intended to be that way like it's intended to sit in the little tree trunk but like i mean i guess i guess you could do that but like it was never really intended to be displayed that way but um i mean yeah sure you could take it out but there's (laughs) it's it's I guess that's just a byproduct of the guys sitting, I guess. But yeah. like I don't know. The like why you wouldn't want to display the tree trunk. I mean, I guess maybe if you just collect tree trunks. <laughs> hey, you can display it with your Logan collection. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's what you guys are mentioning, I think that's I think a little bit of that has been lost in designer toys. I think over the years just become someone more like myself. I'm I'm part of that group where I'm not a gallery artist or a street artist or have like a large body of paintings. You know, I, I feel like I, I design for toys and I feel like that the scenes became primarily artists like myself who are graphic designers or character designers, just making cool toys versus going off of an artist body of work. I think that's where we kind of lost a lot of the early magic. It's, I think it's when the scenes started becoming a, a, a place where, 
anyone and everyone could have a toy made. And every single sketch that they drew had to become a toy. That's where the oversaturation started coming in. And that probably turned off a lot of the early artists that made the scene what it is or was. And I definitely I mean, don't. And I think that there's a the happy medium is probably what's best because right. I, I definitely don't think things have to be like street, you know, urban. It doesn't have to be based on street art. Definitely taking like other artists and, you know, doing that. But I do think there has to be more than just like, uh, like this is a creature I came up with and now it's a toy. It's like, right. There has to be a little something more to it to make it good. Yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, you, I mean, I like a lot of the stuff that you're talking about. It's just uh, someone designed it. It just looks cool and it sits on my shelf. I have a lot of that sort of stuff. But I think for a lot of other people to get into this toy scene, they need to have a connection to it in some way, very much either pop culture related or through an artist that they already know very well and are, and are fans of. And unfortunately, a lot of the artists in the designer toy scene or a lot of the popular artists they started in designer toys. They didn't come from another art scene. They didn't, you know, a lot of them didn't come from the fine art world or the street scene. They came up through designer toys through doing customs and got noticed that way. And companies then, you know, asked, invited them to make production toys. So a lot of the very popular artists in our scene aren't very well known, if at all, outside of designer toys. There is a handful of people that are, you know, Tokidoki, Ron English, but it's definitely less than more and i think that's where clutter is trying to help out clutter wants to reach that fine art collector that fine art world so they're going big and they're making things that appeal to that collector mentality a little bit more and i think that's going to help maybe introduce more eyes to our toy scene and what you know what everyone else is doing and i think that's only going to help yeah Yeah, i I think so and that's that's one of the things that ben does pretty well is he continues to work with artists you know he's not just creating things out of nothing you know yeah 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 Yeah, but i agree i think i think happy medium is is a good way to phrase it george because i don't think there's anything wrong with people like like you as an artist gary coming in and doing stuff but i do think a balance in the scene of you know if if people want some more of that street art and urban field to come back bring that back more of what you're talking about with Ben's projects, George. And then also people like you, Gary, who design with a toy stack in mind. I feel like all of that makes the scene, but maybe we're lacking in those two other areas that used to be a big part of it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It'll be interesting. No, I agree with you. I think we've, you know, teeny tiny bit kind of lost some of that stuff. And, you yeah. know, in order to grow the scene, I think we need to, bring in some artists that are very popular outside of the designer toy world. Someone like, um, you know, like Mad Graves is someone who's has a really strong fan base, but a lot of her art would apply really well to designer toys. I mean, a lot of her stuff kind of looks like designer toy-ish. And as long as a company has the manufacturing means to produce her stuff and make it look like her art, I think that'd be amazing. More stuff like that. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and I mean, look at, look at guys like, uh, like Martian toys did that, uh, Jason Lamone, ice cream guy yep uh and that one worked like look how well that went over you know like look how many people love that piece and it's like mm-hmm. it's because it captured that dude's like art you know like he, he had a very specific art style and that toy captured it really well yeah and it wasn't just like this toy made out of nothing for you know to become a toy it's it's based on that guy's art and it, and it translates yeah yeah no it totally makes sense. i was actually going to mention 
Martian toys because like I feel like that's part of their directive as well somewhat. I know they're very big on pulling in new artists, try to give them a chance to see, you know, what, how their stuff might apply to the toy world. So, I mean, I feel like in a way they're also trying to, um, you know, bring people in who maybe haven't even done a toy before and take their artwork and potentially think about how it could translate. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about as a, as a way to kind of expand and grow and, and bring back some of the way things used to approach. Cause like those sours, for example, remind me exactly of the same thing you're talking about, George. It's, it's got a different feel to it than a lot of the stuff that exists today. And, and don't get me wrong. There were, there were bad examples all the way back. Like Jeff Soto's seeker, mm-hmm. I think is, a, is one of those examples of the exact wrong way that it was, that it should have went down. Like that toy took a guy's art, which was awesome, and tried to turn it into a toy instead of trying to make a 3D version of his art. And I think that toy was, to me, that toy is a giant failure. I think it looks terrible. I think it doesn't represent his art at all. And even the picture on the box that it comes in is like, why didn't you make this thing on the box? And, you know, so there, even in the past for, you know, there were things that were like, somebody just wasn't getting it, you know, wasn't really nailing it. It's funny you mentioned that because, you know, I feel like, Gary, I feel like we sometimes do that where we'll look at the box art and we're like, we like the box art better than the actual figure. And I think it comes down to what George was saying. It's like if you don't keep the artist involved through the whole process and if you're not willing to devote the time and the money that it takes to make that representation of their artwork the best as possible. Because a lot of times these companies are just take someone's painterly style, throw it into a vector format do call outs for it and just say, Hey factory, do your version of it. But when the painter in the 3d retro case where the, the painter is actually doing their application and they're expecting the, the company to match that, that's when you're going to get that high quality work. And that's what Martian toys did with the abominable snow cone. That's what 3d retro is doing with theirs. And, but there are failed cases. I think there's been a couple Alex party pieces that missed the mark. They just did not have the, the same treatment that his paintings had. Like I felt like the production pieces lacked the, the grunge and the texture and the, the layering of the, of the paint. And it just, it just, it was not the best representation of his art. Yeah. That, that's a yeah, good example. No, I, I mean, love Alex's art and he, like, he's one of my favorite artists and I just, I, I'm just, I can't get, I don't understand those toys. Like, and it's funny cause like even, and even back to the Jeff Soto one, I don't know, and even with the Alex ones, I don't know. That could be the artist's call. Like they could have wanted that, mm-hmm. and it, you know, and and who's to say? You know, like unless we talk to them and ask, and they like that could be Jeff Soto's idea. He may have wanted to make a toy version of one of his things. Um, like because I've had that happen too. Like I think I've I don't know if I've ever said it on this podcast, but I think I did on Toy Break um, when we made the the Beat B with Jim Mafood for 3D Retro years ago. I you know Jim. Do you know Jim Mafood's art at all? Like it's very stylized, very angular. And when I sculpted the beat or I sculpted the beat beat and I kind of matched his style where I gave it like, you know, angles to the curves, even though the like, you know, it was even though it was round, it wasn't like round. It had like angles to it and sharpness. Mm -hmm. And we showed it to him. and He was like, no, no, it's supposed to be round like a B like round. And I'm like, yeah, but. Your art's, your, art's, right. your art's angular. And he's like, no, no, but the B's supposed to be round. So, like, he just doesn't draw 
like in his head when he's drawing it, it's round mm-hmm. to him, but like his huh. heart is very angular. So like we had to, we changed it and it was like, in the end I was like, wow, this is not something I would want. Like this is no longer the thing I want, Yeah. but this is what the artist wants. That's interesting. So like that happens too, you know, it's like it, it, so you never know, like those things that we're talking about, they could be exactly what the artist wanted. Interesting. You know, it's funny because it also reminds me, I know we've, Gary, we've also talked about, um, sometimes like certain applications of artists, um, so not just like stylistically. So like you're talking about like angular versus not George, but also like very painterly artists, so like 64 colors, I think is a really good example where like mm-hmm. their art has a very specific style. And like, even if I look back to like the 64 colors, Dunny, even it just, it doesn't really get there. Like it's, it's a flat version a vector version of their style. But imagine if that were done with the painterly effects that are in the paintings and the customs they do. Like just imagine a production version in that actual style. Like that would be insane. Like that, if I, if I were to have a 64 color piece in my collection and I know like I would love to buy one of her paintings or a custom, I can't afford it. I would love to, but it's just, it's beyond my price point. But if someone were able to make an affordable production version around a hundred dollar price point and make it look like her work looks, people buy it in a heartbeat because it would be in the, the spirit of how she does stuff. And I think it's a shame when that doesn't happen when, and part of it may have been technology back in the day, you know what you were able to achieve, but even, you know, squink, I think is another artist where there's very particular, him. You know, very particular aspects to the eye detail and just little small details throughout that are just so precise and done in a certain way that I, I, I'm really excited and, and, and very hopeful for this Wild One series because he's getting some pieces in that as well as, I believe, his own 5-inch Yeti. I'm really excited and, and hopeful to see his actual him come to life in a production piece today. I hope it's given justice. Yeah. yeah no. I mean, the manufacturing has gotten so much better than when I remember what, seeing what some of the first dunnies look like. I mean, they, it's come a long ways, but no, are we close enough to matching some of the, the painterly stuff like a Mab Graves or, or squink 64 colors? I mean, probably not. I mean, it's, it's getting closer. I mean, it's, it's, Oh yeah. But like, even like the Mab Graves dunny, and I'm not don't want to knock it at all, but like that's another example where the box art and her style just didn't really no I agree translate. It just it, it's not terrible, but it's really not. It's just not. It's not what you want it to be. Like it's just it's not really. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a good box art should complement the toy. When the packaging outshines the toy. Right. It, it it's 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 a letdown. I think um, the one thing that sort of I, I really love the Mav Graves, you know, but the, for some reason the Dunny, it in the fact the one part that didn't match the box to me was it looks like they sculpted the her face on top of the Dunny platform rather than in right. setting it into the Dunny platform because when you look at the box art, 
it's a character or a girl wearing an outfit, and it's a very thick, furry outfit. So the, you can feel the depth of that costume, and you don't get that sense that her face is inset in the in the dining platform. And that's one reason that's, that's always sort of bothering me when I see that toy. Yeah. I just don't – it does not match the box or her art. Yeah. No, I agree. It's, it's, it is a really – like – it's a shame. It's a shame when, and again, I mean, you know, you make a good point, George, that we don't fully know the details behind and the direction, but like, it's a shame when an artist is given an opportunity to get a, a production piece and it's, it's just not given the, it just doesn't get there. It doesn't get to the full, I don't even know the word I'm trying to say. It just, I don't know. It just doesn't reach the full potential. Like it, it you sometimes look at stuff and you're like, Oh, that could have, that could have been really freaking awesome. But it, it's not. And so, yeah, it, it's it's it'll be interesting to see if that's something that can slowly change or evolve over time. Maybe we I don't know. But yeah, no, it, it's it's a I think it's a great point. We're missing some we're missing some marks there. Yeah, that's a good discussion. I like that one. But let's move on. Let's we got uh, we still have some leaks and sneak peeks to do. It's time to take a break and mention several of our amazing sponsors for all your designer toy desires. We have two amazing stores for you. First, there's 3D Retro. 3D Retro has a beautiful brick-and-mortar location out there in Southern California to visit. But if you can't make it to the shop, be sure to visit them at 3DRetro.com. And also, there's StrangeCatToys.com has been a very loyal sponsor. Give them a look at StrangeCatToys.com. And for being a listener of the show, you'll receive 10% off your entire order by using promo code DOPE at checkout. And for all the latest and greatest in uh, designer toy news, be sure to follow and visit the wonderful toy blogs, SpankyStokes.com and TheToyChronicle.com. The Toy Chronicle is also available via a very convenient and easy, cool new app to use. Just search The Toy Chronicle on the Apple App Store or Google Play. You know, one right, thing that I it. would like to do a little more of this season is, is giveaways. And one thing, one way I like to do it is when we play games, I would like you guys to play on behalf of a listener. And I don't know how we'll decide or choose who those listeners are going to be, but I think it would be much better gameplay if you guys are playing for something. And then, you know, whichever one of you wins, we'll send the listener whatever we're giving away that week. And so I'm currently looking into receiving some giveaways for the show. And uh, actually, George, last week you were mentioning that you had some Glitter Hippo resins that you might want to give away. Do you want to do one of those for this week? All right, let's do it because we have let's let's give away. Uh, let's just start with we'll give away one of the uh, sculptures, one of the one of the actual glitter hippos. Well, let's just pick a color. I don't let's let's start with red since it's the first one on the uh, rainbow. Okay. Uh, so we'll give away a red glitter hippo. Go to the Marsham Instagram, find the glitter hippo post that we're going to post, and reach and share it, and then uh, so that way they're sharing a link to the glitter hippo campaign on Indiegogo. And one one winner will get a uh, red glitter hippo. Sounds good. I like it. And we'll announce the winner next week. Sure. And you should also go back to campaign on Indiegogo. Definitely. Sure. Yeah. And since you mentioned glitter hippo on last week's Leaks and Sneaks, how about we just jump into Leaks and Sneaks right now? Let's do it. Okay, ladies first. Teresa, what do you got for us this week? Um, 
Okay, so I have actually Toys and Our Evil to thank for this because he actually posted um, a fun little collage of some different uh, sculpting things he had seen um, for things to kind of get excited for for 2018. Um, and one of the items in that collage was something I had never seen before by an artist I did not know, and so I dug into it. The artist, her name is Iris, and I believe her like her toy company name or what have you is called Studio Toy. Toy, T-O-I, but her Instagram is I-R-I-S underscore T-G-U. My head hurts, Teresa. (laughs) That's good. That's good. But anyway, but Studio Toy is based out of Thailand, um, and they are working on an adorable fox sculpt called Fenny. And it's about, they uh, said it's about five inches tall, but it is flipping adorable it's standing on two feet but it's got kind of a cute little big head and big ears and uh, so it's a sculpt in progress and um, they're sharing their process as they go so um, you can kind of see the prototypes and they're working on the molding and all of that so don't have a whole lot of details for when it's coming but it got me really excited so I'm going to be I've already started following their account and both on Instagram and on Facebook and I'm going to keep watching it get made and hope there's a way to buy it. Did they say what the material was going to end up being? Resin or vinyl? Or did they say anything about that? It said the hashtag in the post says resin and resin toy. So maybe resin based on that. You know, foxes are definitely, they're a a trendy animal this past year. Yeah, this one's more on the chubby side. Um, Well, chubby's also trendy too. Does he have moobs? Yeah. No moobs, thank God. What about a little dangler? No, no weird little peepees. We just got a cute, moob-free, penis-free. That's one. I heard you said 19 penis words last week. No, 13, but 13 still bad enough because silly counted, and I can't believe that, that I said it that many times. You know penis is not a bad word, right? I I know, but it's just... <sighs> I, think, I think it got to a point... It's your Catholic podcast, guilt, right? Though. It's your Catholic guilt. I don't, yeah, it's that, but I think it got, I don't know, maybe I got used to it with how many times I said it. <laughs> oh, we got to find you a new word because you can say penis no problem now. And now it's just free-flowing penis. I know. <laughs> what What have you all done to me? Penis. <laughs> you even dropped a couple, I think you mentioned one S-bomb last week too. Things are getting a little easier for you, but you're still saying lady bits. <laughs> I just, I like to keep it G, not even PG, G, you know, just keep it, keep it nice and safe for three and up, you know, nothing. No, I get it. I, I know some of our listeners act like they're three, but, but I get it. <laughs> anyway, so check out Studio Toy, T-O-I on Facebook or go to Toys R Evil on Instagram. You can check out the little collage link okay. off. Uh, there's also links to... Lots of other awesome projects in the works, but that one particularly stood out to me just because it was an artist that I wasn't familiar with, and it's adorable, and I hope I can get one. Okay, awesome. What about you, George? Uh, well, actually, I just ordered mine at the beginning of uh, our recording. Um, mine is actually Stroll Drool. I don't know if you guys have seen I, it. I've seen over, it. Uh, I've seen it, yeah. Over on Spanky Stokes, they did uh, Strange Cat Toys and Spanky Stokes. Uh, combined efforts and made stroll drool small batch beard oil. Um, they huh. say it's actually dyed blue, like stroll drool would be. Okay, but it, and they say it will not make your face or beard blue. So I'm, I'm 
I'm hoping that part's true. No smurfing of yourself. Yeah, I, I don't want to be smurfing. Uh, and Matthew Matthew Ryan Sharp did the art on the on the uh, bottle. So uh, head over to Strange Cat Toys. Uh, they are a sponsor. You can enter Dope for ten percent off, like I did, and order yourself a bottle of Stroll Jewel. Nice. Huh. Now, what does what does Spanky Stokes know about beard oil? He doesn't have a beard, as far as I know, or never had one. Yeah, but he knows about smelling good, <laughs> like freshly squeezed milk. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> so regardless, I mean, the man loves his milk. He told us so on the podcast, like, like like a gallon a day or something like that. But but anyways, um, it seems like it's going to be the year of the stroll. I mean, there's so we got the beard oil now and the wild uh, ones being teased is the the wild ones um, Dunny strolls, and I think there's going to be two colorways in the new Dunny series. Wait, are you serious? I haven't seen that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's called Wild One. Yeah, George, just check um, Spanky Stokes' uh, Instagram account. He's been teasing the the leaks of his uh, Dunny Strolls, and I think the new series, the Wild One series, is set to come out in February. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, the the Wild One series, actually, I'm pretty excited about because it's a mixed artist series. Um, Squink's finally coming back to get some production pieces. Uh, Linda Panda's back, um, which is exciting for me because they're both on the cuter side, but it's a good mix, too, because there's also... Um, some, you know, not so cute options in there. Um, so it, it looks fun. It looks like a good mix of artists and, um, I'm excited to see the actual, like so far, I think they've only released vectors and then some box art recently. So I'm excited to see some actual product photos come out soon. Yeah. I think when does that release? Oh, February 9th, February 9th, but they said they're going to be every day. They're going to sort of like leak something or show something leading up to the release. So I would imagine pretty soon we're going to start seeing eventually, you know, what the physical form looks like right now where you just seen sketch and, and vector art, but you know, everything looks better once you see it in 3d form and painted. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, that's cool. I'll be hunting down a stroll dunny, I guess. Yep. Oh, I, I think you got some connections. You might be able to work it out considering you just send them about 300 strolls that you had. sitting. Hey, I still closet. don't, I still don't have a vinyl stroll. I still want one of those too. I don't even know if Spanky has them <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. I think that was all done through uh, Tag Art Gallery, so he might not have any control over that. Probably not. Yeah, he probably just lent them his character. I'm sure he was probably received one every, every colorway, but not enough to, to mail out. But, but I guess I'll go next then. So mine is sort of a little bit of self-promotion that's kind of based on the Autumn Stag, Andrew Bell, and Pobber. So Andrew Bell did his take on my um, Autumn Stag. It's, a, it's an extremely different take, which I love. It is uh, a very more sinister and dark version. It's called the Night Stalker Edition, and it was actually available for pre-order a year ago, and it's just now getting in the hands of collectors now. It was a very long process because Popper really wanted to nail down the paint and the treatment and the texture. They nailed everything. It looks gorgeous. And so now that it's available and getting in people's hands, um, we want to offer the collectors a second chance opportunity because the first pre-order, people did not know what the physical product uh, was going to end up looking like. They were kind of just buying it based off of the vector art. So now that we have it in hand and it can show what the final piece will look like, we wanted to offer up a second chance opportunity at pre-orders. So if that's something you're interested in, it's going to be only a one-week pre-order stint. By the time you're hearing this, there's probably only a few days remaining. I mean, Pablo had only a one-week pre-order window for it. It was from January 25th to February 1st, so that's coming up pretty quickly. The piece is $499 plus shipping. 
this will be the only time, probably the one and last time, to uh, get the Autumn Stag, and this will be the last time to get the Night Soccer Edition for sure. So we're only making what is pre-ordered, so if this is something you're interested in, that's, head on over to pobber.com. I was just going to say, that's pretty cool that they're, because now you can see what it looks like, <laughs> like, that's that's pretty cool that they're able to offer it again, just because, yeah. I mean, some people may have been on the fence about it, so... Yeah, when you're dropping that kind of money, I think you would want to see the the actual piece before you order. And I think the pre-order last time was was a little up against the holiday, so I'm sure a lot of people didn't have that sort of money to put down on a pre-order. But I believe you put up 50% up front, and then when it's ready for shipping, then you put up the other 50%. Um, this pre-order will not take nearly as long to receive. The first year, they spent really nailing down the paint treatment and how to do it, and that's why it took so long. Uh, but this second run will probably only take a few months, I would assume, if whoever pre-orders it this time will receive it in the second quarter of this year. Um, but yeah, if that's something you're into, check out pobber.com. And another thing that I want to mention tonight is we're all very familiar with the Luna figure that was produced by um, UVD Toys. It was an original Kickstarter done for the uh, the bots based on their Luna figure. Uh, and that got fully funded, and the figure turned out amazing. And uh, UVD Toys and uh, the bots are back at it trying to get a uh, like a children's book published. And the illustrators of that book are 64 Colors. It is called Luna and the Magical Nightlights. Uh, there's... This is really close to being funded. It's going to end on February 2nd. They're looking for $20,000 goal, and they're sitting at currently $15,000. So they're really, really close. Nice. What, what do I look yeah, there. So if this is something you're interested in, just search Luna and the Magical Nightlights on uh, Kickstarter. But I think it's really cool that they're now putting a backstory to Luna and everything, and it's great that, that 64 Colors is going to illustrate it. They've already shown a few... Uh, pages of what their illustrations will look like and they look beautiful so um yeah excited for it and hope it funds and they got a lot of great reward levels so just take a look and see if you can help them out it does look super cute i love luna i actually supported that kickstarter i have my purple luna up sitting with my some of my critters up here so it's a super cool kickstarter and hope it'll get that last bit in the last week and get funded awesome let's get that going all right, that leads, uh, that wraps up Lisa's Sneak Peeks. So you guys have both been collecting for a while. I was curious, like, if you guys can go back in time, what advice would you give yourself? Like, is there something that you would tell yourself that, that you know now that you would do differently? Or maybe there was a toy you missed out on getting that you can never find now or, or anything like that. Like, what would you do differently? I think the one thing I would probably go back and tell myself would be to buy that Red Sour at Comic-Con, even though the guy was kind of a douche. Cause then I, I missed it and cause I was making a point like, fuck you, this guy's a douche. I'm not buying it. And I should have just bought it. Cause now I've never been able to find it. Oh, that, that toy never comes. What toy is this George? What's a red sour? Uh, it's the red colorway of the sour toy. There was four colors, green, brown, orange, and red. And red was the comic con exclusive. It was, we were, they were literally the booth next to us. So for the four days I sat there, like, contemplating getting it but the guy was like so standoffish and like weird that i was just like i don't want to buy this from this guy like he's our booth mate and like he doesn't even say anything like (laughs) so i just ended up not getting it and then now i've never been able to find it yeah i mean Teresa, it's it's called the sours by brendan monroe it's the white whale toy for a lot of collectors ryan rutherford mentioned it was he was on and they're fantastic 
I think there was like 50 of them or 100 of them, something super low. They never come up for sale. Oh, this is a weird kind of toy. It's like a. It has. I feel like like this toy represents designer toys extremely well. I mean, this. Yeah. I even have sour tattoo. I even have a tattoo of the sours. Oh, you do? I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm a big fan of that toy, man. I love that thing. And I've got. Three of the four colors, and I just can't find that red. Oh, I didn't, see, I didn't know you had the other one, so you're just missing the elusive red. The green one's cute with the little green leaf. Well, oh, they all have little leaves, or at least the red one and does. The, the leaves are different. You can like you can pop the leaves off and put them in different patterns. There's different ones. They're they're di- like they're a little like when I first look at them, just for my taste, I'm kind of like, oh, it's kind of weird. But like the more you look at it, you kind of enjoy it. its little pudgy, simplistic. Mm-hmm. shape and it yeah they're, no, they're, they're awesome they're super they're super simple but the sculpt is really nice it's really subtle and like i don't even know who did the sculpt it's really good though um yeah it's one of those figures that it'll rarely come up for sale and if it does it's a green one because the green one i think there was like you know 250 of or something like that so that one pops up every once in a while but the red very rarely i've never yeah, i've never George. been able to find it you shouldn't let that happen. I know. <laughs> Who knew? Oh. Yeah, the, yeah. Collectors, the collectors that have them do not want to give them up, so they rarely come on the market. Crazy. So, Gary, do you so do you have one of those? So, uh, is there like a toy that a toy regret like that that you wish you had bought that you didn't? I can't think of one offhand right now. If you think of one, you have to yeah. add it in because, like, I I don't think you know. I, I mean, I've been in the scene, I feel like, a, a decent amount at this point, but not to the extent that you all have. So, like, for me, it's – I'm more in the part – like, you all remember when stuff was released. You're like, oh, I remember being there when that thing was released or when that was released or when that was a hot item. I'm more in the seat where a lot of the older stuff is more of just – it's just like, oh, I wish I could have, like, been there to get that. And now I'm just, con- you know, constantly trying to find certain pieces – that um i never had a chance to like get at that time so yeah i get that so i i just i just ebayed it real quick just to see just because i haven't checked in a while there's literally a green and orange and a brown the lowest one is 250 wow and then that's the brown the green is 325 and the orange is 500 dollars. oh my gosh yeah, that's a, that's a good market value going on for those bad boys. Cause they're probably back in 2006 when they were released. How much were they? Maybe 30, think, 40 bucks. I think they were like 50 bucks, maybe 50? 60. I think, and I think that's one of the reasons I didn't get the red because it was 60 bucks, and I was like, ah, eh, that's a little expensive for that small toy. Yeah, I remember it being small for 60 dollars in 2006. That was uh, a pretty spendy toy. I mean, I think the average for toys back then were uh, the majority of them were probably 30 to 50 dollars. So, so for picking up a a toy that size for sixty dollars—that's that's definitely not the norm. It's certainly not compared to today. Yeah, no, it was definitely not, and I was just like, <sighs> "But I should have done it." You should have. But you know, but truth, I can't really. I gosh, I wish I could think of one. There's, they're all kind of escaping me. But since I've been going through the waffle sites, a lot of like old toys have been coming up there, and it's like it's been a trip down memory lane because I'm having like, oh, just, it just kind of remember like. Yeah. It's making me remember some of the toys that I passed up on. That today, if they popped up on the market for what they were back then, 10 or $15, I'd probably 
go after a few of them. Like one of them was um, that David Cho blind box series. Kind of looks like a little whale. Toy. Oh, the little whales yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That was a cool toy. I love those guys. Yeah. So if I saw that toy today going for ten or fifteen dollars on a blind box series, I probably would pick up a couple. But today, I think they're they're you know reselling for probably forty to fifty dollars, depending on which one you have. Can I just give a little uh, sponsor update again? Um, my Strange Cat Toys order that I ordered at the beginning of the show, uh, I already got a text that says it's shipped. Nice. Wow. It was like Sweet. within forty five within forty five minutes, the text came through that says this is shipped already. Damn. See? Strange Cat Toys is on it. Strange Cat Toys sponsor of the Marsham Toy Hour. Yeah, they're dope. Dope. I totally want to come back to the price discussion, but I don't want to deviate from our uh, from our revelations of past. But uh, they're for me. I don't really have any either. But I'd be curious if you come up with anything, Gary, because I know you've been around longer to see certain things that may have struck your fancy, but. Um, yeah, they're they're definitely are. Yeah, I, I just can't. For me, it's the sour and the, for me, it's the sour and the ad at. Those are the two. Like I pa- Oh, and the turtle camper. I have three. The sour, the ad at, and the turtle camper. Oh, those are all good. Jeez, the turtle camper, Jeremy Fish. Wow. Those are all three that I passed. I was like, and I think it was all price related. Oh, that sucks. You know, and Jeremy Fish, too. Like, he's kind of a good example of what I was talking about earlier. A very well-established artist outside of the designer toy scene that, you know, lended his skills and talents to the designer toy scene. Like, he was a very popular artist out there in San Francisco. He was doing a completely different thing, but his his artwork applied well to designer toys. And he brought his fan base to designer toys. But, I mean, that's funny that you would pass up on his toys because of price, though, George. Because you would buy those toys that they were priced the same way today. Yeah, true. Right. Which is like, it's... Oh, I got one for you, Teresa. It just hit me. We were talking what? about it a, a while ago. It was actually The Kid Onion by Easy Hay, produced by Oh, Toys. yeah. Yeah, so I have one cutaway. It's a purple and like blackish cutaway, but I my one regret is not getting a few of the other cutaways, especially the OG cutaway I love. There was like a white, red like an orangish red colorway that I really like. So I would go back and uh, pick up some of those colorways. Well, Gary, remember, we found it. I know, we did. But it was expensive. It was expensive. The shipping was as much as the toy. I'm, I think I'm uh, going to hold out and try to find one stateside. It's Kid Onion, that's the thing you're talking about? Kid Onion. Yeah. By, by Easy Hay. That's cool. It almost looks like a horrible Adorables type thing with all the little yeah. Yeah, jingle yeah, layers. Yeah, totally. It that that so like yeah like that one's super cute and I feel like that's the thing is like so many of those older toys that you're talking about like I never see these things pop up so either people because and the thing is too I know like you will talk about all the time like the amount of things made back in the day was a much higher number than the things being made now so it's like I know there are maybe 500 of those onions out there or whatever and maybe they made lesser ones of certain colors but like there's there's certain they're like they're out there but like either people are really into them and they don't want to sell them or like a million people have them in some boxes that have been sitting in a closet and they need to get their act together and 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 let us get get at them it's true i know i want you know i'm looking at the photos now of the kid onions that i've missed and there's some great colors of this thing that i want i mean my favorite i do think is the the original which is that that primary color based one yeah. but they're all 
they're all great. It's it's one of those toys, and you know, I mean, maybe that's the, you kind of have a point about what you're talking about at the beginning, uh, George, about everything starting to look the same. I mean, I want more stuff like this. What what year was this toy? This I mean, it's I don't remember it at all. Um, it's pretty big too. Yeah, it is. It it, it it's probably a five inch figure. Fits really well in this palm of your hand. What year was this? Seven, two thousand eight. I want to say. Wait, here we go. Here's a Toys R Evil post. Two thousand eight. Designed by Easy Hay. It's a four point seven inches tall. Retailed for forty dollars. It's something I would never buy, but like I, I like it. It's a cool looking thing. I like. There's a pink and there's a pink and black and white one that's really cool. Yeah, that yeah, that's someone. That's someone. I don't know what colorway that is because that was not part of the original release of four colorways. So that must have, must have come along later. But I love that colorway. And what was neat about them, they came in this little onion bag. You know, how onions come in like a like a netted bag. That's what this yeah. toy. This toy came in a in an onion netted bag. It was cool. Oh, did it really? Yep. Oh, that's a cute packaging idea. Mm-hmm. Man. So that's you know, my I'm... regret. I'd go back in time and buy probably three or four colorways of this thing because I love that toy. It's kind of like you, George. You just, I don't know, I bought one and I wish I had more, which is funny because going back to the you know the beginning of the show, I was saying that I don't like to generally buy multiples of the same toy. I just need one. But for some reason, I like the aesthetic of this toy enough that I want a bunch of them. It's, it's, it's one of the rare yeah. few things that I want multiples of. All right, so uh, you know what? I got to go to the bathroom, so let's wrap it up here. So why don't each one of you take a brief moment and let the listeners know where they can find you. Ladies first. George. Okay. Well, uh, if you want to find me, uh, Teresa Hawkins, check me out on Instagram. My username is tmhawk24. George. And uh, you could follow me on Twitter this week at Whoa. George Gaspar. Whoa. Uh, I am- Shaking things up. <laughs> I am Gary Ham. You can find me at Gary Ham on Instagram or superham.com. This has been the Marsham Toy Hour. We're going to do this every week, not because we have to, but because we want to. So until our next transmission, we're signing off. Bye. Bye.